All right, let's get going. Good evening, everybody. Good evening. Um, let's see. Let's see. We are up to Daf Lamed Ches, page 38 in Mesechus Yavamas. So yesterday we ended off, we got up to the words, on the second line. And we really ran through the end of Amad Beis in order to make time, in order to uh, make it to Minchan time. Let's, let's uh, reconvene our minds, so to speak, to get ourselves back into this idea. Now, the conversation up until now, in a case where a Yavam marries a Yavama, he doesn't wait the required three months. And then she has a baby. And we're unsure if this baby's, who the baby's father is. Right? We don't know if it's Reuven, the first husband, or Shimon, the second husband. All right. So we really were discussing the, the Isser Veheter, the prohibition. And we were clarifying, you know, is he a mamzer or is he not a mamzer? What's the status of the marriage? Do you got a divorce or do you not? What's going on over here? Up until the, towards the bottom of Lamed Zayin of Abayz, that's what our main focus was. Then our focus has now shifted. And our focus of today's daf, both from here until the Mishnah, and from the Mishnah to the end of the daf, is going to be a financial conversation. What are the financial ramifications of this situation when you have a child who we don't know who the father is? And let, let us just guess. Let us just guess what the, what, what the fallout could be. Who inherits Reuven's estate? If the child is Reuven's son, so this child gets all the money. However, we learned earlier in the Masechta that if it's a case of Yibum, the Yavam takes over the entire estate of his brother, so then it's his. So who's getting the money here? Is it Shimon the brother because it was a valid Yibum? If, the, if, if this kid is Shimon's kid, then it was a valid Yibum. However, if the child is Reuven's child, Shimon doesn't get any money. Okay? So that was part of what needs to be clarified financially. So the Gemaras had told us on Lamazayan Amad Beis that this conversation can be directed to a different machlokas between Tanayim. What is the machlokas between Tanayim that we learned on Amad Beis? So the Gemara quoted a Mishnah which said that if somebody goes overseas and he comes back and listen to this, his land was surrounded on all four sides by other land. He usually had a path through one of the lands to get to his land. He comes back and there ain't no path. He has no way to get to his path. So what do you do? So Admon had taught us, you know what? He could just go take the shortest path to his land. There's no problem. And the Rabbanon say, absolutely not. You're going to have to pay. Or take an airplane. In other words, tough luck. <laughs> you want a path to your land? Go pay for it. Okay? Now, we got into a whole conversation towards the end of Ahmed Bey's. Listen, Admon, who had originally had the logic of you could take the shortest route, what was wrong with that? You know, if you knew you had a path and now the path is gone, why not take the shortest route? So we said, you know, maybe there's different owners on all four sides and you don't know who the owner is. So who are you to go, who are you to go take the land from, from, from one angle when really your path may have gone through somebody else's land, okay? Meaning, 
since you can't, since the, the Rabbani going to say, since Lemaisi, you can't prove which land is yours, so get out of here. Each person's going to say, either pay me or go to the next guy. You just can't take the shortest path through my land, like Admon saying. You can't do that. Okay? And the Gemara tried comparing this, uh, this uh, conversation to the conversation of inheritance. Okay? Now, we're going to pick up from here. This is where we pick up on the second line. Rabbi Yirmiya, okay, says the Gemara, the Gemara wanted to say that Rabbi Yirmiya held like Admon. That's what we thought. We thought that Rabbi Yirmiya, in, in uh, our case of, um, the, uh, of the, of the Yavam and the child, and really not being sure who it is, so if it could go back to a single owner, let's say there's one owner that owns the land around all four sides, it seems, you would be able to take, uh, to take the shortest path. Okay? So we're, we're trying to com- uh, connect the machloksin. So who does Rabab agree with? Who does Rabbi Yirmiya agree with? Says the Gemara like this. Here we pick up Rabbi Yirmiya, Amar Lach. This is just wrapping up that conversation. Rabbi Yirmiya is going to say, I can paskin according to the Rabbanon, by the case of the field, the owner can say, listen, if you want to not say anything, then, uh, you know, uh, be quiet. And if not, I'm going to give it back to the original owners—and you won't be able to argue against them. But in the case of the Yavam son, you can't say that. Okay, cryptic statement. Let's explain. Let's pause because that's going to wrap up the conversation. Let's schmooze for a little bit. Ready for this? What was the logic of the Rabbanim? Let's talk. The Rabbanim said like this. You're, the guy goes overseas, he comes back, there's no path anymore. His field's surrounded by four other fields on all four sides. The Rabbanim say either pay up or take an airplane. But you can't just cut through somebody's land. Admon had said, what do you mean you could take the shit? Now, let's look at the Rabbanon's opinion who say you need to pay up. What's the case? Is there four different owners on all four sides or is there one owner on all four sides? So like this, if there's four owners, so each owner can, it makes sense why each owner could say, listen, you want to take my side of the field? Pay me. You don't know for sure that your path was originally in my field. Is that, does that logic make sense to everybody? Mm. Yeah? Fine. Now, but listen to this. What if it's one owner on all four sides? Let's say there's one owner on all four sides. And that owner had purchased the land, however, from four different people. So he started buying the land on the east. Then the land on the west went up for sale. He bought it on the west. Then it went to the north. Then it went to the south. And he ends up being one owner. Then, can the guy who went overseas and comes back, can he just take the shortest route by telling the owner of the field, hey, listen, buddy, you know for sure that my path went through your field. At least let me take the shortest route. Right? It's a good story. You know, you know what the guy could say back to him? He's going to play hardball. He's the only says to him, okay, okay, sweetie pie. I'll tell you what I'm going to do if you want to take a path. I'm going to go back to the four original owners and just sell it back to them. And now you're stuck again. Because now you're dealing with four different people. <laughs> and and uh, all of them are going to tell you, send you to the next guy. Just because I'm the only guy here means you have a claim against me. You know what? 
uh, let me tell you something. Either you zip it, or I'm going to give my land back to whoever sold it to me, and you have no taina against them. There's no way you're going to be able to get it. And that's why Rabbi Yirmiya will say his, and therefore Rabbi Yirmiya is going to say, I will even him like the Rabbanan, Aval Hacha, but listen to this. By the case of this uncertain child, this kid by the name of Safik, we don't know who his father is, seven-month child of the, of the second one or nine-month child of the first one. Can anybody here, does anybody here know for sure who the father is? No, nobody knows who the father is. So let's say you have, uh, uh, let's say Shimon dies. Nobody knows, you know, the other sons of Shimon. What are they going to say to this Suffolk son? What are they going to say to him? We're giving the land back. You can't take anything from us. No, they have no claim over there. Hence, bottom line is, says the Gemara, what we're walking away with is that you cannot connect the two disputes. The dispute of inheritance by a Suffolk Yavam and the dispute by the situation in the field. Each one has its own sets of circumstances and they function independently. Okay, period, end of that conversation. We're now going to move into a few more short cases as we get to the Mishnah. Again, what are we looking for? Financial um, ramifications of Suffolk. This kid named Suffolk, okay? This kid who we don't know if he's a seven-month or a nine-month. So here we go. Suffolk v'yavam. You have this kid who's a Suffolk. We don't know whether he's nine months from the first father, seven months from the second father, the Yavim. And the Yavim. Now the Yavim's either his uncle or his father. Shabo lachlok saba. They now want to split the Nechasim, the estate of the grandfather. You hit us? Now how does this work? How does this work? So let's explain. If you have, you have a, a Zayda, you have a grandfather, he has two sons. One son predeceases him. Okay? Let me know if, if there's any issues with this. Anybody get this clear? One son predeceases the grandfather. Then the grandfather dies. Who inherits the grandfather? So here we go. You ready for this? Reuven, who's still around, gets 50% of the estate. And Shimon, who passed away, his children take his place yeah. to get the other 50% of the estate. So now, Herzachayim, listen here. Ready for this? So the, who's the oldest? Okay, well, fine. Very good. Okay, so, and if you have a Bukhar, so you're going to split it good. Very good. But listen to this. Ready? Here's another ramification of this kid Suffolk. Because, let's explain the story. Yaakov is the grandfather. He has children, Reuven and Shimon. Reuven dies childless. Shimon does Yibum. Seven months later, Reuven's widow has a baby. Now here's the question. Suffolk, this kid who we have a doubt about, if he's Shimon's kid, if he's the Yavam's kid, he doesn't get anything from the grandfather's estate. Your father's still alive. You got nothing. Get out of here. But if he's Reuven's child, so he's going to take the place of his father and get a percentage of the estate. You understand? There's a big financial uh, uh, ramification over here. So here we go. Suffolk Amar, this kid who's a Suffolk, we don't know who his father is, whether his father's alive or his father's dead. He says, Hi, Gavra Bar Mishnahu. I am the child of Reuven. Of course he's going to say that. Why? Because he wants the money. Which, by the way, 
putting these halachas aside, I don't know if it's the number one factor when it comes to machlokas in a family, but I can tell you very clearly, unfortunately from personal experience, the whole idea of family starting to argue over an inheritance started a long time ago. All right? So here we go. So the, this suffix says, listen, you're not, he says to Shimon, you're not my father. My father's Reuven. I get half of, Papa, of, of my grandfather's estate. And Yovah Mamar, but Shimon says, nah, you don't get half of your grandfather's estate. I'm your father. You are my kid. Go jump in the lake. Get out of here. You don't get a penny. I get the entire estate from my father and you're my son. So over here, the Yavam is a guaranteed inheritor. We know for sure he inherits the grandfather, right? We know for sure Shimon's going to inherit Yaakov. And Suffolk, this kid, is not allowed to take a percentage of the estate because there's taka a chance. He's not a, we don't know for sure he's an inheritor over Yaakov. Because he might be Shimon's kid who gets nothing. So whenever you have a vadai, a certain, and you have a suffix, a doubt, the certain wins over the doubt, and suffix does not get anything. Clear? Yeah? Any clarification on this? All right. Next halachic ramification of our case of suffix. Suffix, this kid who's a suffix. That's become his name by now. Okay? We're just naming him suffix. Uvenei Yavam, and the children of the Yavam. So now the children of the Yavam are either his first cousins or his brothers. And they're all coming to inherit the grandfather's estate, meaning Yaakov's, both of his sons predeceased him. Suffolk, Gomar Suffolk says, Ahu Bar Misnehu. says, listen, I'm the son of Reuven. I get a complete 50% of the grandfather's estate. And they say, no, 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 no. You don't get 50% of the estate of, that Reuven would have gotten. You share the same father as us. It is. Yeah, you're, you're, who's your brother depends on your own money. Yeah. All of a sudden, they like him. All of a sudden, no, 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 you're part of our mishpacha. This way, he gets less of a percentage, yeah? So, umanosa is, uh, umanosa you get the same mana, you get the same portion as us. Palga de kamani lehu shakli. So we say like this. Half that they already agreed they take, tilsa de kamai le shakal, a third that they agreed. He takes, poshlehu danka, you're left over with a six. This is basic math, okay? You have two kids of Shimon, one kid of Reuven, they're agreeing that he gets 33% of the estate. They know that. They're just not agreeing that he gets a full, uh, a full half to take the place of Reuven. So, and this goes back to the, uh, to Bav uh, Metzir, right? What's the halacha whenever you have money that you're unsure who the owner is? You divide it. Okay, so that's another Ramification of the suffix, the the suffix child. Next case, Saba v'yavam b'nichsei suffix. You hear this? What if the kid himself passes away? Kid himself passes away. So now he doesn't have any heirs. He's not never married. Doesn't have any children, and he passes away. So, who's going to inherit him? Either Yaakov, the grandfather, or the uncle. Now it. The uncle might be his father. It might be Shimon. 
If Shimon's his father, the grandfather gets nothing. If Shimon's not his father, the grandfather takes the place of Reuven. And he gets a portion of the Suffolk's estate. So, O Saba v'Suffolk Nechziyam, or you have the, the grandfather and the Suffolk are coming to inherit the Shimon's estate. Meaning, the, the Suffolk says, that was my father. The Yavam's my father. I'm a seven-month baby. And the grandfather says, oh, no, he wasn't your father. Your father was Reuven. And therefore, you are Shimon's nephew, and you don't get anything. I get it as Shimon's father. You're, you're just a nephew. You don't, you don't inherit. In that case as well, it is and we divide it. Period. Fascinating. Okay? So what the Gemara just helped us do from the beginning of our parak is give us this case of Suffolk, this uncertain child. Again, we're dealing with a case where the Yavam jumped the gun and married his wife too soon. And then she's pregnant. We're unsure who the parents are. We discussed the Iser Veheter Dika Halachos. You know, we got into the nitty-gritty of the transgressions. And now we explained eight different cases where you're going to have real financial ramifications of what happens with this child. Okay. Period. End of that Gemara. We now get to the next mission. Here we go. This mission is going to continue in the laws of finances. All right? So for all the people working in the financial world, get ready. Okay. Let's give an introduction. Let's give an introduction. Does anybody here, I'm going to ask this as a question. It's going to sound rhetorical, but, I, but you know, let's give, let's give some answers. Did we yet really clarify what the relationship between a Yavam and a Yavama is? As far as like numbers, right? We said like this. Reuben and Shimon are brothers. Reuben dies childless. Reuben's wife is connected to Shimon somehow. How connected? She, she's called the Yavama, right? Okay, so we said she's, she's not married to him, but there's something called the Zika. Something called like a bond. There's like a bond, an, an automatic halachic bond between the two of them. Nobody else is allowed to go and marry that Yavama while she's waiting for the Yavam. They're somehow connected. Not only that, if the Yavam goes ahead and does a rabbinic mimer, he actually gives her money, that makes her even more closely related to the marriage. Is it a full marriage? No. But it like creates an even stronger bond to the point where if, if there's a few brothers waiting to do Yibam and one brother gives her money for Esmeimer, none of the other brothers are allowed to do Yibam on her anymore because she's too closely connected to the brother who did Mimer. Okay? Now, this next Mishnah Gemara is going to get into the halachic ramifications, uh, financial ramifications of that. Okay? Let's talk. Let's talk without giving straight answers because the Mishnah will help us. Let me ask you a question. A woman gets married. Arison, not Nesuin, which was stage one of marriage. Not stage two. They didn't move in yet. There's just an acquisition. Okay? Does she have financial obligations vis-a-vis her husband? And does her husband have financial obligations vis-a-vis her? Yeah. We know that if a woman, when a, when a woman's married, whatever she acquires, her, it goes to her husband. Once her husband is financially responsible for her. If she brings any money into the marriage, 
So then there's different ways that it could uh, that it could be applied, right? The money is not really owned by the husband. Let's say she comes into the marriage bringing in, uh, you know, $50,000 worth of real estate, okay? So there's something called Nixay Malug, Nixay Sambarzo, which really is just different arrangements. Uh, you don't have to, the, the details of the differences between each one doesn't really matter. We'll get into that, Bez Hashem, as we uh, move along in Seder Nashim. But be it as it may, there is a financial arrangement that takes place between husband and wife, depending on what stage of marriage they're in. So now let's get to, to the thrust of, of this conversation. What stage of marriage is a Shomeris Yavam and a Yavam related? What is the existing financial obligations on them? If any. Okay? So here we go. Says the Mishnah. Fascinating case. Ruvain's married to Leah. He dies. Childless. Shimon does not yet do Yibam on Leah. Classic case of Yibam. Says the Mishnah. Here we go. Shomeres Yavam. If you have a woman who's waiting for Shimon to do Yibam on her. And her father dies and she inherits a lot of money. Yeah, you got it. will agree. She is in complete control over this money. The Yavam can jump in the lake. It's hers. He can't say, oh, one second, you already had a bond to me. You're like my wife. Nope. You snooze, you lose. Alright? You did not marry. Nechassim falter while she's waiting. You waited too long. Okay. Mesam. What if she died while she's waiting? What happens to the value of her ksuba? And also... Her properties. This is such a fascinating question. Ready for this? When a husband dies, his wife receives a, the value of a ksuba. She doesn't get the ksuba if, her, if, she, if the husband died childless because the other brother is just taking her husband's place. Okay? But now listen to this. She's waiting for Yibam, but then she died. So is there going to be Yibam anymore? No. So that means perhaps there's a pre-existing suba obligation on Reuven, and who's going to get that value? If Reuven ordered $50,000 as her suba, who's getting that money now? Now keep in mind something. I want to I mention something here. Ready? She can have children. How so? If you have a woman who comes into a marriage with children, but her husband didn't have children, and her husband dies, it's still considered like her husband died childless, even though she has children. Okay? So we want to know, first of all, who gets the value of the ksuba and also her property. If Shimon is considered married to her, so he inherits her as her husband. But if he's not, so then it goes to her family. Fascinating. All right? So we really need to clarify what is happening here with a zika, with a bond, as she's a shumaris yavam. You understand the dilemma? We have fascinating financial dilemmas here. So Bishami says, Since we don't know, so the inheritors of the husband split it with the inheritors of the father. Okay, what does that mean? Her husband. Her husband. 
fine. Um, Basil says no. Nechosim becheskosim. Basil says a rule when it comes to finances, and that is whoever has the money right now holds on to it until everybody else brings a proof. The rule is hamotze mechavero. If you want to remove money from your friend, Allah haraya, it is on you to bring the proof. Michael's sitting here next to me. All right, or Michael, I'm gonna pick on you for a second. Seder, you agree? All right. I say, excuse me, that's a beautiful vest. That's mine. You stole it from me. And do you have to now? Do, do you now now have to prove that it's yours? No. Why? Because you're wearing it. So who has to prove that it's not yours? Me. If you have something in your domain, you're wearing it. It's on your property. And I want to take it away. It's on me to bring a proof it's not yours. It's not on you to bring a proof that it is yours. When you want to remove something from your friend's property, a love on you, haray, is the proof. So it says Basil like this. Listen, we don't know who's who. We don't know who, to, who should inherit this. So therefore says Basil, listen, whoever has the money right now keeps it. They keep it. If you want to remove it from their domain, prove it. And you can't. Because we don't know what to do with it. Alright? So that's, that's the pin of Bissol. Bissol says, Whoever's got the money right now, stays. Ksuba b'chazkas yarshe abal. Yeah. So the, the ksuba, which may have to be paid to her, b'chazkas yarshe abal. That is in the possession of her first husband's inheritors, because her first husband is the one who had to uh, pay the ksuba. And the property is uh, that she takes in and out of the marriage with her. That is in the, that, that it has a chazaka that has the status of being yarshei ha'av. Okay, which means her own inheritors as opposed to her husband. Now, what happens in the following case? That's all. If she's a shomeres yavam. She's waiting for yibam to be done. What happens if knasa? Let's say Yibam was done. You know what happens? Very simple. She's a regular halacha of a wife. Very interesting. Except that her ksuba is still dependent on her original husband's estate. It is. So she's Shimon's full-fledged wife. But where is the, where is the ksuba going to come from? Her original husband's estate. Now you might ask, so what? Her original husband's estate is going to who? The second husband. Shilamaynaf Kamina. Who cares? So the Gemara will explain, but I want to, I want to, I don't want to just leave it as the Gemara will explain. I want to give a little bit of a heads up. Because this is, this is business. Ready for this? Listen closely. This is fascinating. Anytime in the Jewish financial world, anytime you take out a lien on the property of a married man, you know that his wife's ksuba comes before yours. You understand? A wife has a pre-existing condition. If her husband ever divorces her, any land that he owned and he owes to her at the time of ksuba, she could go collect it later on. If the ksuba is ever, uh, ever owed to her, and there's nothing for her to collect from. She can go back to the original land. She like has a lien on her property. 
So we can already start to envision why now it makes an afkamina if you're going to take from the original husband's estate or the second husband's estate. Because it's going to depend on when her lien started and if there's other sales that the original husband made and people come, there's debtors or creditors that come collecting, you know, do they come before her or does she come before them? So she comes before them from her original husband's estate. Okay, here we go. The bottom, we'll, we'll discuss more Bez Hashem in the Gemara. Says the Gemara, Maish narration like Pliki, why in the beginning of Misha did, uh, did was there no machlokas team Beishamai and Beisil? And everybody agrees that if she inherits land while she's a Shemar Siyavim, it certainly goes to her. Umaisha Seifa de Pliki, why in the Seifa is there Taka a machlokas? Omar Ula Ula says, Reisha denofa kishi arusa in the Reisha, that's talking about where she became a Yavama when she was in Arusa. Okay? She only had the first stage of marriage, not the second stage of marriage. And in Arusa, her possessions does not go to her husband. And keep in mind, here's the Chap, the Chiddush, the Gemara, where wherever stage of marriage you were in when you became a Yavama, that's the stage of marriage you're going to remain in un- uh, until Yibam's done. Okay, Yibam is kind of just going to take the place of the original marriage. So if you are an Arison, it's going to be Yibam in Arison. Nesuan, Yibam from Nesu. The Seifa, the Nafakshi Nesua, and the Seifa is dealing with the case where she became a Yavama after there was full fledged Nesuan. Because of our Ula, and Ula holds Zika Sarusa, Isis of Arusa. The Zika of Arusa makes her simply a Safik Arusa. We now turn to Lamed Chasamad Beis. Zikas Nesua, Isis Safik Nesua. Okay? No matter what you were, that's what you're becoming. Says the Gemara, let's explain. Zikas Arusa, Isis Safik Arusa, the bond of a woman who was in Arusa makes her like a Safik Arusa. These are going to talk about the Arusa. You're going to say she, says she was a Vadai, Maita Bissel, Shemechers, when it says Vikayim, then is it possible Bissel would agree she's allowed to sell it and, and, and that works? She has complete control over it and the husband has no role? What does that mean? But Tanabu, we learned in the Mishnah. If a regular woman has Arison and then she inherits property, no. Even in Arison, she's not allowed to sell. Everybody agrees that ex post facto, it's going to be a valid sale. But the bottom line is, Basil says initially, we do not let Narusa sell things that she inherits as an Arusa. It must be from here, Zika Sarusa makes her a Suffolk Arusa, and that's why we have a question. What's the question? Why does Beis Hillel, uh, I'm sorry, and, and this, there's, there's no longer a question. This is why we have a Machlaikas, because we now understand why Beis Hillel says that even Lechatchila, she's allowed to sell her property as an Arusa. Okay, now, Zika Nesua, it's a suffix nesu. We now know that the zika of an arusa becomes a suffix arusa. Hey, know the zika of a nesua, a woman who moved in with her husband already, takes on the, the makes her a suffix arusa. The e sogadadach vada nesua. If you're going to say that she is like a vada nesua, beisham yom yachloku yarshei abalim yarshei av. Beishamai says we divide it. Why would you divide it? If it was a vadai, but but we learned to the Mishnah. If let's say a woman is full fledged married, she has an Asuan, and then her father dies and she inherits property. Everybody agrees that the husband has enough control over that property, 
that the that he can actually uh, nullify the sale. Why? Because again, this is her. You know, if they had marriage ever ends, she's going to get it back. But this is considered nechsem elog. It must be that it's only a, only makes her a suffik nesua and not a full fledged nesua. Okay, so. Bottom line is, right now, what we just clarified so far in the Gemara, starting from the bottom of Amud Aleph, is that if you have, um, if you have a woman in, uh, who was in Arusa, her Yibum, her husband dies childless, her Yibum is now going to make her a Suffolk Arusa, and Ula has backing. Okay. Says the Gemara, one second. I don't like this. I don't like that you're you're telling me that an arusa um, makes her a a um, that a, uh, yeah an arusa makes her suffik arusa. I'm gonna lay Rabba. Rabba says one second. Now that we're saying that there's a machloikes about what happens to her after she dies, why after she dies all of a sudden did that become a machloikes? Live like bechayel of Paris. Why don't they argue about her chayel while she was alive and we're discussing the produce because that, it should fall into the same category. Whatever the halacha is, la'achar misa, should apply b'chayel. Nothing changed just because she died. It didn't clarify her, her situation. says, Both parts of the Mishra are talking about when she became a a Yavama when she was already in Nesua, Vizika Sua, Isis Safik Nesua. And Ula holds that the Zika, the bond of a Nesua, makes her a Safik. Nesua, Resha, the Kaima, in the Resha where she's alive, Havalei, Ihi, Vadai, Venu, Safik. So she's considered to be a Vadai to, you know, to uh, get money. The Ihi and the the Yavam is a Safik. He's a Safik. Okay? The ain suffik must be vaday, and the suffik, the yavam, does not get any money before the vaday. Not for the vaday. However, suffik a seifa de mesa in the seifa of the mishnah where she already died. So now, uh, let me tell you something. Everybody has a suffik. Everybody is a suffik. Nobody's got an upper hand over the other one. Halalu bonli yiras, halalu bonli yiras viachlaiku. And therefore, we're just going to go ahead and divide the property. Gavaldik. Now again, keep in mind, keep in mind that Beis Hillel will not agree with this halacha. This was just clarifying the opinion of Beis Shammai in this case. But according to Beis Hillel, once you have a vadai, so then it's already considered, um, it's already considered in her family. And If anybody wants to uh, anybody wants to remove the money is going to have to bring a full-fledged proof. Okay, Gavaldi. It's a challenge, a challenging question. Is it true that according to we're going to challenge that whole premise? That if you're coming from the power of a doubt, meaning the most I can claim with for the money is I'm a doubtful inheritor. Maybe I'm an inheritor. And you have somebody else who's a vadai inheritor. Can the Vadai take it? Can the Suffolk take it with the Vadai? We said no. Says Gemara, why not? Hold on. Does Bishami agree with that? Listen to this. Listen to this case. Nebuch. You have a roof that collapses on a father and a son. Okay? 
It could be any, any case where you have a father and a son who die in the same incident. Now, we don't really know who died first. A car accident, a plane crash, a building collapsing. Do we really know who died first? No. Okay? So, there, there's, a, there's a practical difference, though, who died first. Right? I'll tell you why. Let's just, let's just start talking outside for a moment. If you have a father with a few kids and he died first, then the son that died after him already got a chilek, and then his kids are, uh, should be inheriting him. However, if, if uh, the son died first, so the, and then the father, so then the son's sons don't get anything. You understand? So here we go. But tonight we learned in the mission of if the house falls out of a person, his father, a love Amarishav or upon him, and somebody else who he's gonna inherit, and there was the, the son already had to pay out a, a ksuba, and he owed money. So the, the inheritors of the father say, Listen, Habin uh, you know, the, the kid died first, and afterwards the and afterwards the father died. Therefore the son never inherited the money, and these people uh, and the wife cannot collect the money. He never had any money. It's not part of his estate. However, the, the the one who's owed the money says, no, first the father died and then the kids. So the kid has money in his estate and therefore go pay up. That's what each attorney is coming to claim. Yeah? No. Clear? So, Beishami says, listen, there's no way for us to know who died first. So you know what we say? Everybody splits the money. Whoever's got the money keeps the money. And if you want to remove from them, you got to prove what happened. It says the Gemara here, here's, now we're, here's how the question is going to be built up. The inheritors of the father are certain inheritors. We know for sure that they have a right to inherit. They're certainly getting part of this property. Because even if their father died first, they're getting something. They're just saying there's less people to inherit, so we get more. Ubalchayv Safik, and the Balchayv maybe gets nothing. Yet you still see Beishamai is allowing the Safik to take from the Vadai. So why'd you tell me that Beishamai originally says that somebody who's just a Safik, a doubtful inheritor, can, uh, cannot be Baitsi from the Vadai? Here he says you, you split it. It's different when you have a document. Fascinating lumdus, fascinating thought. And that is, if you ever have a document stating, a creditor has a document stating the money's owed to him, you know what? It's already considered like it's in his domain. When something's written in ink, such a crucial message in life. So many things are just verbal agreements and this, and sometimes, okay, you need a verbal agreement, but you can't just rely on that. When something's put in writing with signatures, with witnesses, and you got a document, if the son dies first, it immediately goes to the property of the child. And what we're going to say is there's no one who, who's a vadai over the other. Everybody really here is, a quasi, is kind of a, a suffake. And that's why Bishamah will say, Yachleiku. Says Gemara Ubanatemra. How do you know that Bishamah holds that when you mamish have a document, it's like it's yours already? I don't know, how could he say such a thing? Because we learned in a mission, I'll prove it to you. What happens if you have a woman who's a saita? 
Filled with Allah of a A loose woman. Yeah, the husband warns her. He says, don't you dare be miyachid with that guy. Don't go, go, don't go into a room with yichid with that guy. And she does. So now what's, God, what's Allah? We take her to Bezdin. And she's going to drink the mesaita. What happens if her husband died before she had a chance to drink? She doesn't drink and she gets her ksuba. She's like a regular wife. Go take your ksuba. The guy died. You can't, you, you can't finish the process because it has to be where the husband's bringing her and now the husband's not around to bring her. So she gets her full-fledged ksuba and, there's no, and she doesn't drink. Basil says no. They can choose. We tell like this. Listen, you don't have to drink anymore because your husband's not here. However, if you don't drink, you're still not getting your ksuba. Or drink. It's not an option to drink anymore because he has to bring his wife. So how could they tell her, oh, either you drink or you'll regret it. Yeah. So Gemara says, no, you're right. Rather what it means is, because you can't drink, therefore we're not going to give you the ksuba. That's what, um, that's what Beis Hillel means. Now, the bottom line is, says the Gemara to, to wrap up its idea, says the Gemara, Vahacha Safeku. Over here, by the, by the site uh, where a Safek, we don't know whether she was, uh, whether she had relations with this other guy. Safek Zana, Safek Lezana, maybe she was Mizana, maybe not, because I was Nevada, yet we're still saying she gets her Ksuba. And she could take it from her brother's inheritors, from her husband's inheritors' estate. You know why she's allowed to collect it? Not because of Suffolk, but because Aksuba is a document. And a document makes it as if it's already hers. She's not in a case of Suffolk anymore. I shouldn't say she's not in a case of Suffolk. She might be in a case of Suffolk, but she has a document. It's huh? It's written. That's right. If it's written in ink... It's as if it's hers, and it, therefore her husband's inheritors have no right to say, uh, prove you're not a Saita if you want to get some of his property. You know what she could say? No, you prove it. And what are they going to say? Oh, why do we have to prove it? We have your husband's money. And she says, why do I got to prove it? I have my husband's money. They're going to say, prove it. And she says, okay, here it is. Here's my tsuba. That's my proof. As soon as something's in ink, it's mine. Amazing. That's Beishamai's opinion. Okay. Says the Gemara now. The Abaye Laisvei Meha. Abaye can ask a Shaila from this Mishnah. Why? Because this Mishnah tells us that a Safek could be Maitzi Midei Vadai. The site that could remove from the brothers. Says the Gemara, no, no, no. Fascinating. Why do we have a ksuva? So that women will have an easier time being willing to get married. A ksuba was instituted to ensure that women are protected. But the husband's going to treat her right, treat her like a bentaira, even the shirt on his, off his back, financial obligations. Says the Gemara, maybe a ksuva isha is different, maybe we're more... We give her more clout on a, on a ksuba than a regular document. Instead of, instead of saying, oh, it's an ink. Maybe the only ink that we really, you know, rely on is a ksuba dick ink. Because we want to make marriage look good for women. 
but maybe other cases we don't. Says Gemara, no. But still, they still could have asked in the case of Ksuva from our Mishnah. Sigmar says, really, Beishamai does not argue when it comes to a Ksuba. Rather, what's the situation here? The, the, you know, says Sigmar of but uh, they're not going to argue on Basil, but it says, Mesa, let's say she dies while she's a Shemaris Yavam, what do we do with her Ksuva? And her property, that came in and went out with her, she comes into the marriage with 50 grand in real estate, and now she dies as she's waiting for her Yavam, what do you do with her stuff? So he said, her family, and the Yavam's family, okay, divide it. Whoever has it, has it. So you see that even according to Bishamai, Yachlaiku seems to even be on a Nechzei Malug and her Ksuba as well. Fascinating question, right? Says the Gemara, just the challenge, you know, how could you tell me that Bishamai doesn't argue by Ksuba because we want to make marriage look good for women? Yeah, come on. Bishamai does say Yachlaiku and we'll take it away from her. So Mar says, oh, this is what we mean to say. Mesa, let's say she dies while she's waiting for her Yavam. My Yosef Ksuvasa. What do you do with her Ksuba? Now here's the question. Ready for this? If Yibam would not have been done, she would end up with her Ksuba. She would get it. If Yibam would be done, she doesn't. So Ushvaka. Then we left it. And we said, something that she brought in and out of the marriage with her. But we didn't really give a psak on what happens with her ksuba. Rabashi says, You can infer that really that's what happened in our Mishnah. That we started talking about her property, uh, her, um, you know, what happens with her ksuba. And then we just changed course. We weren't coming to explain the ksuba, we just changed course. You could imply that why it doesn't say her family, Yarshiyav means her family. It doesn't mean her family and her husband's family. It says her husband's family and her family. Shmamina, we taka learn from we taka learn from here that we're talking about Nuchsei Malog and we're not we weren't dealing with the Ksuba. Okay. Givaldik. You know, once we change the order, then uh, we're going to deal with the primary one first. Abai Yomar Abai says, Reisha Denovalog, she shemeres Yavam, the beginning of our Mishnah, we're talking about where she inherited from her father while she was waiting as a Yavam Seifa. And the end of the Mishnah, when, um, when we're talking about things she, inher- she inherited, Shenovalog, she tacht of the Baal. That's talking about she already inherited it during her first marriage. Okay, this is interesting. Ready for this? Gemara is now going to transfer into a fascinating conversation um, about the, the, the place that a Yavam takes in the, husband, in the original husband's uh, relationship and financially as well. So here we go. Abai just said on the last line that the Seifa, the end of our mission is talking about she inherited property when she was married to Reuven. And now she becomes a Shemeres Yavam. What do we do? Because Savar Abaye, top of tomorrow's daf, Abaye holds Yodai Ki Yoda. That both husband and wife are considered equal. Mamish being equal. Okay? 
So the husband has no more rights to it over her. She has no more rights to it over him. Now what's unique about Nechsei Malog and something like this? So she keeps the principal and he gets the produce. That's what happens in such a scenario. She gets the principal amount and she's going to uh, keep the field and, and uh, the, the value. He, however, gets the profits and he also has to take the losses. Okay, if the stock market goes down or whatever, he's going to take he's going to take uh, the loss as well. Amalei Rava, Rava says Tabai eat the nafli lo because she talked of the Baal. If it fell to her when she was under while she was married to her husband, the kuli Amalei pligi the other day for me. Everybody would agree his hand is stronger than her. Meaning, if let's say you have a married woman who inherits property, we're going to hold it here for today, but you have a married woman who inherits property, everybody's going to agree that since she was married at the time of the, inherit- of the inheritance, the, the original husband was stronger than it, but it still may be that the Yavam's rights to these things is not stronger than her. It could be the Yavam's rights to it is just the same as her. Now, if it's the same as her, and now she dies while she's waiting for the Yavam, they were equal now. And now she dies. So Beis Hillel will agree Yachlaiku in such a case. Okay? That's, uh, that's what, how Rav is explaining. So again, this that Beis Hillel says that Nechsei Melug go to her family is not going to hold true again when she, inherited, when she inherits the land while married to her first husband. Now she's a Shemeres Yavam. So now they're equal. She dies. Boom, Basil will agree with uh, will agree with Yachlaiku. Okay, we're in Rava's opinion. We're going to hold it here. Bezem tomorrow we'll restart Rava's opinion and uh, take us a little uh, a little closer to the two dots, closer to our Mishnah. We'll hold it here for this evening. Um, let's see. It's almost uh, it's almost there of Yomtiv. Have a Freilichim B'dikas Chametz. Bez Hashem tomorrow morning. We're going to learn at a regular Friday time, twelve fifteen p.m. On Zoom, have a wonderful, wonderful evening.